Hi class, this is your instructor, Skywalker, and welcome back to another podcast. So we're here now in chapter 10, which is chromosomes, mitosis, and meiosis. I'll jump right in. Keep it in mind, a chromosome is that carrier of genetic information in eukaryotes. They're also found to be, of course, in the nucleus. In the chromatin state, however, this is that larger structure of chromosomes that's not going to be dividing. What actually does divide is the chromosome itself. So just keep in mind that chromosomes are packaged by way of histones, which are proteins, with a positive charge, which goes directly with, of course, negatively charged DNA. From here, I'll move it on down to the second of which being the cell cycle and mitosis. As the objectives were stated, you should be able to identify the phases in the eukaryotic cell cycle and describe their principal events. So keeping that in mind, as you get to your test, you'll be asked to write out those very same things. Thereafter, it says to describe the structure of a duplicated chromosome, including the sister chromatids, central mirrors, and then thereafter explain the significance of mitosis and describe the process itself. So keep in mind, the entire process of the cell cycle is composed of two phases. They are interphase and emphase, or mitosis. Interphase is further subdivided into G1, S, and G2. So that first gap, what happens is the cell grows and replicates the organelles, and it grows. Thereafter, you get into S phase. During S phase is where DNA is duplicated via the process of replication. And then thirdly is G2, or gap 2. So this is where that cell stops, it arrests itself to check to make sure it has everything it needs. So the first checkpoint, as I forgot, happens during G1. The second of three checkpoints, <coughs> excuse me, now occurs in G2. So this, the cell grows and ensures it has everything it needs for two completely identical cells. So after we move directly into the process of mitosis or M phase. In mitosis, it's so divided further into prophase, metaphase, anaphase, and telophase. So as those four phases continue in that very same order, keeping in mind that in prophase, the chromosomes condense into chromosomes. Thereafter, the centrioles move toward the poles. The spindle fibers form from what was once that nuclear membrane, and that's pretty much it. We move thereafter into metaphase. In metaphase, those chromosomes move to the metaphase plate, that imaginary midplane, connecting, of course, from centriole to centromere to centriole as they line up there in the center. And as a note, it is during metaphase that karyotyped chromosomes are used. So this is where those chromosomes come from for karyotypes. And one last thing is that the kinetochore microtubules, or what attach those chromosomes and the kinetochores, allow them to line up in the metaphase plate. Thereafter, we move on to anaphase, and in anaphase is where those sister chromatids, they separate and they now become chromosomes, moving to opposite ends of the cell, so that each end of the cell has the exact same genetic information, leading us into telophase, in which the cleavage furrow forms, and that would be in the case of an animal cell. If it were a plant cell, it would be referred to as a cell plate. And also, this is pretty much the opposite of prophase, in which the chromosomes decondense back into the chromatid state, and thereafter, I would say that the nuclear envelope reappears, and then finally, we of course have two genetically identical cells with cytokinesis occurring. Thereafter, we'll get directly into, I guess I'll say that third checkpoint did occur at the end of metaphase, I forgot to mention it, but those checkpoints are there to ensure that 
I guess I'll say the cell cycle does not continue to divide and divide and divide. Because, of course, a cell without checkpoints may very well be a cell that, of course, is cancerous, be it benign or malignant. Now I'll continue on to 10.4, the next section on sexual reproduction and, myo and, and meiosis. So here you should be able to differentiate between asexual and sexual reproduction, which is one thing you are right about in your exam. And of course, you should be able to distinguish between a haploid cell, a diploid cell, and define homologous chromosomes. In the end, as I go through these objectives, the ninth objective states to explain the significance of meiosis and describe the process. Finally, you should be able to contrast both of those, meaning mitosis and meiosis, with emphasis on the outcomes. So, to keep things simple, I would say mitosis is an asexual process. It creates cells that are exactly the same, as opposed to the sexual reproduction of cells, which it divides and creates gametes, or creates those sex cells, which of course can come together in the event that it came from this male and this female, to of course create a zygote. But this is what provides us with the differences. So to get to the term homologous, when I refer to homologous chromosomes, there are first two chromosomes that are the exact same, such as two homologous chromosome ones or two homologous chromosomes twos. In the meantime, <clears throat> let's get to what happens. So a diploid cell has two complete sets of chromosomes as opposed to a haploid cell. A haploid cell will only have one complete set of chromosomes. We won't deal with polyploidy, at least not until I get to a different biology course. In the meantime, what makes meiosis different? I would say is what occurs by way of meiosis 1. In meiosis 1, <coughs> excuse me, what happens is, is the pairing up. So when I mention the pairing up, I'm saying synapses occurs. A pair of homologous chromosomes pairs up lengthwise, and then of course it allows synapse, after synapses, it allows crossing over to occur. So what is crossing over is that genetic information from chromosome to chromosome. And this is what gives us differences today. At least, I say one of three ways. Secondly, after that genetic recombination has occurred, giving us those new combinations of traits, we then get into metaphase one, where those tetrides align themselves at the metaphase plate. This is metaphase one again. So I would say this is synonymous with independent assortment, giving us that second of three ways meiosis provides us with differences. And then thirdly, I would say what occur in anaphase one, and where those chromosomes, independently of themselves, move toward the poles. So you can call this law, that law of segregation that occurs, in that the chromosomes independently assort themselves, independently segregate themselves from each other in a random process. So from those three things, we have all of those differences known. So I will say that, yes, interphase does occur. We do begin with a diploid cell. But in the end of this, meaning meiosis, there are two divisions in meiosis. And at the end of those two divisions, what occurs is that there are four genetically different haploid cells, each of which different from the rest. And that is what you should have gotten by way of chapter 10. The last thing I'll get to, of course, are sexual life cycles, meaning gametogenesis. So keeping in mind that spermatogenesis is the way in which those sperm cells are created by way of meiosis. And then oogenesis is the way of which those ova, or at least I would say ova, are created. But of course, it's only one per division, meaning there will be one egg and, of course, three polar bodies that are produced, unless, of course, fertilization has occurred. In the meantime, please read the textbook. Go through with a fine-tooth comb, and if you have any questions, please let me know. This is your teacher, Skyler Huff, and thank you all for listening.